I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. I don't know if that was too loud because I've got a bit excited, but I'm hoping my internet connection holds out today. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hotel room. I'm on the road again. Uh, I'm all over the place at the moment. Uh, undisclosed location, doing undisclosed things. Ooh. And um, yeah, we've got a little fire escape sign in the corner. Anything else cool in this hotel room that you can see? A little bit of artwork. Oh, good. <laughs> With me this week, I've got Steve W. Uh, Steve D's off. I don't know where he is, actually. Uh, um, undisclosed, again, doing some uh, exciting things. But uh, this week, we're going to keep it pretty simple. Um, I'm also standing up as well, which is another thing uh, that's kind of weird. So I'm going to be moving. If anyone's watching this on YouTube, I'm going to be moving left and right all the time. and In and out, I'm just playing with your mind. Um, but... <clears throat> Uh, Steve W, uh, who's with me this week. Uh, how's your week been, mate? And uh, what have you been up to in the stock market? Wow, good to see you, Paul. Uh, yeah, my week's <laughs> been pretty good. I've um, I've just come back from some travelling around, actually. Uh, I've been on a, a one-year delayed honeymoon, which was nice. We went to northern Spain uh, with British Airways. Got me thinking about travel stocks quite a bit. Uh, so we travelled with British Airways both ways, or the IAG group, strictly. It was Iberia on the way out. Uh, and they managed to lose my wife's suitcase in both directions, which is quite uh, an impressive um, trick. She was sort of mildly annoyed the first time and understandably kind of furious the second time, which didn't matter too much coming home. But but uh, they seem to be struggling a little bit, actually, travel stuff at the moment. There's quite a strong demand coming back, which a lot of people were looking at. Um, and it looks like they're kind of inadequately staffed to try and cope with it. So from what I can see, they had to let a lot of people go during all the COVID stuff because they couldn't afford to pay them all. And that makes a lot of sense. But now they've got way too many customers and not enough staff to try and process them anywhere, which is dragging things and causing quite a lot of jam-ups and cancellations and all that kind of thing. We also stayed in a, an Intercontinental branded hotel, uh, which is a hotel chain listed on the London Stock Exchange. Quite like that company, actually, as a company. But um, that was good. That was really enjoyable. Uh, I do know where Steve is, by the way. He is currently glued to his bog, I think, and he has been for about the last four days or so. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's, uh, I... he's got food poisoning. Well, I wasn't gonna say it. I was just sort of for the for the for the story. I was just gonna ignore it. But oh yeah, yeah. Steve's got the shit, so that's why he's not here. I was being nice, but obviously, other Steve doesn't want to play games. Um, any any uh, anything on your travels then got you wanting to buy? Are you thinking about looking at international or a looking at IAG? Uh, lots of things I was looking at kind of internationally and interestingly. So I was in northern Spain and just noticed certain things about companies that you don't really see. And there's there's this outfit called um, a banker, which is spelled A-B-A-N-C-A. They are, as you might imagine, a bank. Uh, but at least in that part of sort of northern Spain, they appear to be kind of all over every financial transaction that I could see. They happen to have like every card reader, um, every bus kind of pass thing they appear to issue and have some sort of deal on with so they have a kind of what looks like kind of almost monopolistic power on things out there which is uh, kind of worth noting i guess they're currently private but i think they were planning on ipoing last year and then delayed it so that might actually be one to have a little look at when when things come around there were some smart companies last year that sort of had the idea of either going SPAC or going through IPO and thought, ah, this is way too hot. There's going to be something, uh, there's going to be some tough times around the corner and maybe that's something we'll get onto later. Um, very interestingly though, your travels, uh, think have sparked a new discussion on Discord. There's a new channel on Discord, I think, or at least we were making it last time I saw where, um, people are going to start sharing their stories from around the world, which was quite interesting. So, uh, if you're on the Discord or fancy getting through to the Discord, I'm sure there's a link in the description below. And, uh, we, we are just trying to share as much information on there as we can. And, uh, I, I love it. I'm there every day, probably six or seven times a day, just, 
I'm mostly lurking, I must admit, but uh, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> awesome on, on our Discord. Um, uh, stock market doing okay for you? No. Um, stock market roughly level. I noticed that today was very much a you day, uh, for what it's worth. We, this is uh, Thursday that we're recording this. But as I look at my portfolio, with one exception, uh, which I'll come back to in a moment perhaps, everything that pays a dividend is up and everything that doesn't pay a dividend is down. Uh, some more than others, but um, Disney down, Facebook down, Realty Income up, Agree Realty up, uh, Enterprise Products up, um, Verizon up, uh, other non-dividend paying things, Berkshire Hathaway down a little bit, not much, but Amazon down. Uh, yeah, everything that doesn't pay a dividend down, everything that does pay a dividend up. People want dividends at this time in the uh, financial cycle, it seems. Well, uh, you're referring it to it as a as a U day. I wasn't sure if you meant me or if you meant uh, the shape of the curve, because it was more like an end day. <laughs> I think you'll find at the end of the day on Thursday, uh, the stock market has, has switched pretty dramatically. Um, there's a couple of stocks in there that you've mentioned, which we'll probably uh, talk about. Talk about uh, uh, not not N, not capital N, N. Oh, right. Oh, I see. I was trying to work yeah. out. I, I thought you meant it was going to go up at the end. I was trying to work out what an end day was. N. I was trying to work out which way round it went. A little N, baby N. I see. Got it. Got I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, up and down. Got it. I didn't graduate to capital letters, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the same, same for me. Uh, the market has been, uh, my portfolio has been largely flat uh, because we've got quite a mix of diverse stocks at the moment and some of them have been getting whacked really hard and some of them have uh, done extremely well so mine's fairly balanced um, it does keep you right alongside the S&P 500 though we're having such a diversified portfolio of S&P 500 stocks basically um, I'm just beating but uh, if I'm honest with you and I was thinking about this on the drive over um, Today and this week is the first week where I feel worried and not as confident about my portfolio. Um, I've been very, very confident in it for two years. I've been happy to keep all my money and things. But this week, for some reason, has made me, the, the fear is setting in a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, I don't think there's any movement there or, or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's first first time this week where I've ever felt the shifting of the tide and feeling like uh, it's it's not as predictable as it was before. Um, it was easy to say for the last two years that stocks have been in a massive bubble and blah, blah, blah. And, and how that's played out is it, it's to me, at least it seemed very, very obvious, but now we're in this high inflation, interest rate rises, yield inversions, and, and going, oh, well, what's the best way to play this? And what are the best businesses that are going to transcend this? Because I thought it was going to be Fang, and clearly that hasn't happened. So I'll tell you what, move, uh, if, unless you want to say something, go for it. Tell me a bit more about your kind of fear uh, for the moment. So are you afraid of stocks in general or afraid that you've got the wrong stocks? Or are you afraid? Uh, well, what, what's kind of fearing you about your portfolio? Would you be kind of as a feared with any portfolio? I, I think so. I think this is systemic. I think this is a, a mm -hmm. systematic problem. And what does that what does that tell you? It, it, I'm, I'm doing this off quite a stressful day where I've mm. where I've half. And so I, this is my emotions today. And maybe I haven't been able to sit down and wrap my noggin and just say, okay, uh, you know, think about it, look at history, look at look at logic, and go, okay, blah blah blah. But in my head, coming home today, I've gone, Jesus, there's a there's a massive crash coming. <laughs> this crash, you know, nothing, nothing is is doing well, and we can say that you know Tesla did really well today, or we've had a couple of stocks going up. Tesla is not doing well, and I will probably go on to that. Um, we'll, we'll both share that a uh, little bit about that uh, later in later in the podcast when we do talk about Tesla. Um, but yeah, do, are you feeling the fear at all or, or not? Kind of no. I mean, I, so I mentioned my portfolio went in sort of two different directions, and I am starting to wonder whether I perhaps should have stuck a bit more rigidly to. Here's something I saw from you on the Discord, which I thought 
speaks to a way of investing that I kind of want the discipline to invest in. So here's basically a very straightforward way of investing, right? When commodity prices are high and when inflation is high and when everything like that is basically horrible in the economy, uh, buy cyclical things, buy things that are going to get whacked by costs because their prices will be low. So buy manufacturing companies, buy consumer discretionary things, that kind of area, right? That stuff is cheap. When things spin around the other way, like they were kind of, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, uh, growth is going all over the place. Inflation's pushing a little bit, but it, no one's really worrying about it very much. Commodity prices aren't too bad. Buy mining companies and oil companies and, and all the kind of stuff that is facing low kind of exposure. I feel like that's at one level kind of what Sven does, basically. I mean, he really <laughs> likes buying uh, basic materials things at the quote unquote wrong time in the cycle when the prices are all low and the market's all thinking, well, this company's never going to make any money. Uh, and then they obviously do because they always swing back again. And at the moment, there's that kind of space for your, I guess, your Lenars of this world and that sort of thing where people are thinking, oh, no, massive increase in input costs. Trouble here. They're never going to make any money. They're clearly going bankrupt. Sell them all. Um, I, I kind of feel like there's a nice opportunity for you there. You were kind of preaching this idea on the Discord from what I saw. Of it. I thought it was a really good one. Um, yeah. I think this and, works for you. And this, uh, this Saturday, I've got a video coming out which explains that a little bit more um, about contra it is contrarian isn't it it's it's a contrarian style and i think you've got to be a little bit contrarian but you haven't got to be michael burry level contrarian and i think you can do this in a couple of ways and i think um it's the core it's that core satellite style portfolio uh sort of thing that that we we've talked about many many times on on here and steve d is a big part of that um having a diversified portfolio now now when you talk about uh, when we talk about commodity prices being high and everything going well, and then, and then the cyclicals uh, smashing into the ground, like Rio Tinto is starting to do that on poor iron ore results today. Um, when we when we see that, we can be accused, and then we start buying it. We can be accused of timing the market, and 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 I, I understand that. I can totally see it. But when we've got a diversified portfolio of stock where on one side you've got a, gr a lot of growth and then on the other side you've got a lot of cyclical and boring and low p value stuff you can switch the way the tide is going so you can instead of just pouring loads of money all into your into your stocks all the time you can say it, it's like the stocks to bonds thing it's it's except we do it all with equity now we, we rather than you know everybody hates bonds <laughs> at the moment at least <laughs> Um, and that, that could be changing very soon, obviously. But um, with the, but you could do it with equity, I guess. You could have a dividend side and a growth side. And then once everybody starts hating the the, the growth, you you start you start piling into it a little bit. And I've, I've kind of picked that up with Warner Brothers Discovery again. One we'll probably talk about later, and maybe even Google is going to get a little mention later as well because streaming is a massive thing and we'll probably talk about that in a, in a second because jesus what has been going on in the streaming world um so yeah I, I haven't necessarily noticed myself preaching that but i've definitely done a video about it that's coming out on saturday which is probably two days ago now if you, this is coming out on sunday and it just talks a little bit about how I'm kind of doing that barbell portfolio. Oh, God, that's a Kramer term, isn't it? Barbell portfolio. Uh, it's such a shame. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's it. I, I think that's I think that's what it is. And I, I think people can. The only thing, the only problem with that is that you only end up with a 19% return when the S&P 500 is up 70% or something like that. So you're only increasing by 2%. You're not going to beat the market by 30 percent. And most people would argue that it should be an S&P 500 index fund if that's the case, because it doesn't make a difference. Who knows? Uh, I, I don't know. I can see some sense to that thought, but I also think that you're, if you're thinking that you might accuse yourself of timing the market there or anything like that, I, I think that's a bit harsh on yourself. I mean, yes, it's timing the market insofar as you are picking a particular time to buy things, but you're not doing it with a view of saying, right, this is the lowest this price is ever going. It's just an idea of, look, this price is currently attractive. Maybe it goes lower. Uh, maybe it goes lower for another month. Maybe it goes lower for another five years. I don't know. Uh, but at the moment, right, I feel bro. like this is at a decent price level. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like over time, it's going to find its way back again. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm opposed to timing the market 
with someone saying, okay, from here it goes upwards or from here it comes downwards yeah. or something like that. I mean, okay, I mean, you buy anything when you think is at a decent point in the market and going to go higher over time, I suppose. Uh, I, th- I think I totally agree with you. And it, it depends on this time in the market versus time in the market idea is is how far down the chain do we do we apply it now some people apply it systemically and that's and that's that some people say well not at all because you know if you were warren buffett for example you are timing the market that is exactly what he's doing um at at all times but for for me and this isn't for anybody else it's just how i'm looking at it at the moment is uh my time in the market is by is with my dedicated monthly dollar cost averaging into the market but then while i'm in there i do i I distribute as i see fit and really that's only based on time it's based on time it's based on when i think a stock is of correct value to me sounds good should we talk about growth stocks since our growth investor isn't here? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about let's talk about two massive growth stocks. Although I think I think in these we can talk about a couple of other things regarding. Uh, uh, it doesn't have to all be all be growth stocks, but where do you want to go first? Netflix. I think Netflix is a good one to sort of. Talk let's start about with first. Netflix. <laughs> so Netflix um, has released its earnings today. Yesterday, uh, this would have been. Even further, uh, it was Tuesday. Then was it? <laughs> Bloody hell! I'm missing. I'm missing days. And um, it came in uh, two hundred thousand subscribers under last quarter. Oh, I'm doing this all off memory. I'm really sorry. Um, and this is this is largely they are saying due to um, the pullout from Russia. And uh, this, uh, they lost 700,000 subscribers in Russia. And if they hadn't have done that, they would actually, in fact, be 200,000 subscribers up. So they say. Um, this has led to a huge fall in the stock. Uh, 30-odd percent in the first day, another 4% today, I think, as well. So uh, down 68 69% in total uh, over the past three or four months. Uh, Netflix is dead, right? That's the question. Well, Bill Ackman thinks so. Two bad quarters. Uh, and I think it lost about 25% last time out and then another 30 plus wherever it's going now percent this time. I mean, it was, I think, about 700. It's now in the 200s. That's quite the fall if you had Netflix at the top, which, um, I mean, it's a big Motley Fool favourite, Netflix, for what it's worth. In fairness to them, they didn't start buying it at 700 or so. They've been buying it for ages and ages and ages and ages and ages, and they are still going to be well ahead. But their, I don't know, 150 bagger just became a, a, a 60 bagger or something like that. I don't know what the numbers are. I'm guessing at those a little bit. <laughs> I thought it was a really interesting report from Netflix, for what it's worth. Uh, I mean, they beat on revenue. They beat on earnings, I think. Uh, their EPS growth was kind of reasonable, but they were they're guiding to lose a lot more subscribers as well. Uh, and that's the thing that's kind of really weighing on them here. Yeah, so it's been a, what, 200-odd billion market cap the company is down to 98 billion now. Um, uh, where where's this go for? Not just the, well, the question I could probably help answer as well is where where the streaming world goes now. Is it because it, it's affected Warner Brothers Discovery down probably nine percent in the past couple of days? It's affected Disney down five percent in the past couple of days. Uh, Paramount was down. All the streamers were down, and it's basically because Netflix is this massive bellwether for the entire industry. But I do think this Netflix, and I think I've been very vocal about this. I do think that Netflix has been overvalued for a long time. It was definitely coming down to good levels the last time it crashed, and now it's got to be incredible, right? It's it was. It was going to be cash flow positive by the end of the year. I don't know how that's changed, but I think they have lowered their guidance on this at the moment. Um, how do you think this is for the streaming world, and what do you think is is going to happen? Really interested by what they said about the streaming uh, stuff. I mean, they said that one of the things that had been weighing on their subscribers was basically competition, and they cited uh, YouTube, which you own, yep. uh, Disney, which we both own, 
uh, Amazon, which I think I own and you don't, and yep. all of the um, kind of legacy players sort of catching up to them. So I think sort of Peacock and Warner Media and all the other uh, things coming through on that. And that was a really interesting and in many ways really disturbing uh, kind of thing for Netflix shareholders to hear, I think. I mean, Netflix was supposed to be kind of outpacing everybody and just growing faster than everyone and being so far into the distance that no one could catch them because I think it's probably fair to say that Netflix is behind on content. I mean, it's definitely behind Disney. Everyone's behind Disney on content and so on. Uh, and Netflix had that pressure to try and keep producing good quality stuff. And I've read different reports as to whether it's doing that, which I guess is kind of subjective, right? How much do you think of Bridgerton? Uh, maybe. Um, some people think it's great, some people don't. That's That's fine from my perspective. But the thought that people are really catching up to them in terms of subscribers and kind of um, eyeball time and that sort of thing, that's got to be really worrying for Netflix. I'm struggling to work out where I think their real kind of moat is uh, somehow. Yeah, I noticed that on the Discord, you you listed out um, what the possible moats could be and, and just said mm -hmm. there was nothing there. And, and so that, that really did click for me. And I've got a lot of anecdotes around this. Um, we're talking about Amazon, we're saying, uh, you know, I, I don't... Amazon's a weird one. I've had Amazon Prime Video for such a long time now, and I never use it. I never use it. I, I've had it because of my... I get Amazon Prime free through my insurance company, so it doesn't cost me anything, but I don't watch it. I don't watch it at all, and it's because the content on there is so subpar. It's absolutely atrocious. They're not putting enough money into it at all. Uh, Disney, I have. But uh, we did this the other uh, I did this the other night, didn't I? Uh, we were talking on the Discord again about uh, what we would get rid of, and I did a huge little poll on um, on my Instagram, on YouTube, and uh, on the Discord we did it as well, where we would we, I asked people to suggest what they would cut first, and nobody thought it was going to be Netflix. No one thought thought that i asked my missus she was lying beside me in bed when we were talking about discord i said oh what 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 we're going to cut now we can't afford our bills and she went disney and i went oh okay okay that's interesting and she's right uh we would actually keep netflix i think <laughs> out of all of them because my kid loves watching chip and potato which is this uh, uh you don't want to know man it's this <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just this horrible horrible little cartoon about so uh, I can't tell if the mouse is real. It's it, it's so meta. I can't get it. Anyway, um, so but but on 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 the uh, Instagram comments and on the YouTube comments, uh, top of the list was uh, that people would cut was gym membership. Like that was I, I can't be I can't believe people even have gym memberships there right now. I, I can't believe you're still going to the gym. Just work out from home. Go on YouTube. Find a find a. Um, a workout thing and just do that at home it's far better than the gym you don't have to be in someone else's sweat all the time uh, the only thing i the only reason i can think why people go to the gym these days is i, I don't know they're trying to get laid or something like that it's uh, you know it's like a social thing possibly anyway second people said eating out so that immediately twigs for me i went oh restaurants man sack off restaurants right now although in the past in the 2008 crisis uh one of the top performing stocks throughout 2008 was, do you know? McDonald's? Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza ah. was one of the, yeah. And Greg's did very well as well, if I'm honest as well. Um, so uh, people are saying they would stop eating out, but the evidence historically doesn't suggest that. Third was subscriptions. And when I specifically asked everybody what subscriptions you were talking about, it was Spotify and Netflix. And Spotify came first quite a lot of the time, which surprised me. And it's because there's a free option. It's because there's an an ad-centered uh, option. This is a long way for me to go to get around to one of their talking points um, at the moment. But uh, they said they would stop paying uh, Spotify premium because there was an ad option. And, of course, Netflix now has decided, or at least it, they've Hastings has kind of laid the seeds of password sharing that they might get rid of, which was very interesting because uh, John Stanky, I've just got off his um, 
uh, earnings call just uh, probably half an hour ago, and he actually said on there, uh, we've got no problems in with HBO and password sharing. We uh, set up uh, ways to cover that a long, long time ago. So I was like, wow, well done, John. Uh, that's probably the last question he's ever going to get asked about um, streaming ever in his lifetime. Uh, we'll go on to Warner Brothers Media in a bit later. Um, but the second one was uh, ad centered content. And I know I'm talking a lot here, but Netflix want to bring in ads. Um, what what about that? I've got my own. I think I've already expressed my opinion on the Discord about what I think that means. But d does that have anything for you, Steve? Yes. So a couple of things. Then let's start with the ads thing for the moment. In terms of what I would cut, I would cut uh, if I paid for it, which I don't. Um, I would cut Netflix before Spotify for the reason that I've tried the ad-supported Spotify. I had it for a long time, and it's a horrible, it's horrible annoying. service. It's from really what I remember of it. It's really, it's really difficult to listen to anything you actually want to listen to yeah. without them playing an advert in the middle of it or putting a load of other songs in front of that thing. I found that Spotify thing uh, prohibitively annoying. Netflix might be a different matter. I mean, maybe it's because I'm more than like 10 years old, but I'm used to watching adverts in the middle of TV shows and so on. I mean, I watch the four streaming stuff. There's adverts everywhere. I'm kind of used to the thought that TV comes with ads in a certain way, in a way that I'm yeah. not used to the idea that listening to music comes with ads. I know radios have adverts and stuff, but that kind of streaming stuff. Yeah, I just want to put in there because you just put a, a, a thought in my head of how the uh, Netflix streaming service might work in comparison to the Spotify streaming service because we all think of Spotify as when you take off the ad thing, you go down, uh, take off the premium, you go down to ads and you basically get every six songs you get some sort of ad, which is really annoying because they're, they're really, really long. And I imagine Netflix is kind of going to be like that. It's going to be every six, every, no, be every half an episode because uh, lots of uh, lots of Netflix um episodes in case you haven't noticed have been 52 minutes and 21 minutes long there's a reason for that because they can fit in nine minutes of, of adverts in the middle in the middle of all that so that's something you need to consider that this might have been an option a lot longer ago than we thought and uh, it just hasn't been announced yet uh, but on the other hand the other bad part about spotify like quite quite rightly like you said is that you can't listen to a song that you want to listen to if you click if you search for the song you get like a playlist of like similar stuff <laughs> so so now i'm thinking on netflix you like search for uh tiger king tiger king <laughs> you end up getting a, before you get to watch an episode of tiger king you've got to watch like five episodes of different reality shows <laughs> and you go oh shit this is horrible <laughs> So I can imagine uh, that that was just a thought you put into my head there. But um, so so with them mentioning the ads and potentially bringing in ads um, to Netflix, what does that tell you about what they're thinking? What what's the thinking of Reed Hastings at the top there? As I understand it, Reed Hastings is kind of has for a long time been opposed to having ads on these things, but he's kind of coming around to it now. And I think the reason for that is they are starting to figure that, especially in this economic climate, there's only so much money you can get out of the pockets of ordinary people. So if you compare them, Facebook hasn't reported results. I think it reports results later this week. At the time we're recording, it hasn't uh, reported them yet. Or Google or someone like that who basically don't get any money off the likes of you and me, at least not directly. Uh, what they do is kind of sell our attention and get money off of advertisers, effectively. I think that's probably the way to go with trying to get money out of people here. You're going to have to try and get it out of somebody that's not your customer because it turns out there is a limit to what they'll pay. Uh, and, and I think Netflix will kind of go there with that idea, or at least I think they'll be well advised to. They also had interesting stuff on sharing, but that's my, my general thought on um, uh, the advertising stuff anyway. Yeah, I, I have. I think this is all down to competition. Like you said, Reed, Reed Hastings has been so vocal in the past about how they will never have ads on Netflix. It'll never be a thing. And now everyone else is catching up and um, trying to think who I think HBO Max has um, has an ad supported option. Disney's supposed to be bringing in an ad supported option as well. Uh, and I think Peacock runs one as well but nobody cares about peacock my god um again the next bit of the streaming wars which i'll probably get onto in a second is all about the consolidation of the market and where where it's going to lead 
Um, but this ad supported model to me shows that Netflix doesn't have the edge it used to. It doesn't have the pricing power that people thought it did. You know, if people were talking about three years ago about how Netflix can just raise its prices and people never get rid of it until you get other options. And Netflix is spending 17 billion a year on content. Some would say uh, subpar content. You've got Disney with a whole backlog catalog of content. You've got, and this was another part, and this is anecdotal, obviously, but I have very recently been having a lot of contact with the movie industry. I've been uh, part Ooh. of, yeah I, yeah, I shouldn't really be saying it, should I? But I've been part of a lot of different um, uh, films and things like that. And some some have been Netflix, some have been Warner Brothers, some have been Netflix and Warner Brothers at the same time, which just blew my mind. What's happening, though, is at the Netflix ones, you get lots of different contractors turn up. Sometimes you even get Warner Brothers contractors turn up uh, with their big Warner Brothers vans, with all the equipment and scaffold, because there's so much equipment that goes into any tiny, tiny little show. Um, so much equipment goes into it. Warner Brothers turns up with its own branded kit. It's got a massive infrastructure there. It's got all of the things it needs in place. All it needs to do is pay the people. But what Netflix doesn't have that. Netflix doesn't have its own. This is this is to me is kind of the um, the film industry version of being um, what's the term I'm looking for? Vertical um so having, mm -hmm. having everything in vertical uh having everything in house yep. netflix doesn't have that it's renting off the other companies uh which is something that i noticed so it means that their spend on movies is going to be a lot more one pound for net or one dollar for netflix making a film isn't one dollar for warner brothers making a film or disney making a film and that was very interesting to me that's very anecdotal i haven't got any evidence to back that up but that's just something that i'm seeing from the graph from the bottom uh, bottom floor. So that is the argument. The argument is that Netflix has got a lot more to spend and it is spending a lot more. Disney reckons it only has about uh, 6 million or 6 billion it's spending on content, whereas Netflix is spending the 17 million. We've seen that for two years and we've gone, oh, look, Netflix has way more money. Might not necessarily be true. And the dollars that go into the movie industry here might not be the, not, might not be worth the same, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I sort of have the same-ish idea. I don't mind the fact that they don't own stuff for what it's worth. I mean, if they don't own it, it means they don't have to pay maintenance or depreciate it or anything like that, which yep. kind of works. So they could be a nice kind of asset light, which is another catchy phrase that we like yeah. having for things. That works for me. The bit that you've said that really does click with me, though, is uh, here's the thing about Netflix, and it's the expenses they have, regardless of how they're set up. I mean, they're either competing against Disney, who have a big advantage in terms of back catalogue, and it will take a while to close that gap if they can do it, and it will be expensive to do. Or they're competing against, arguably, Amazon doesn't have a better back catalogue. But Amazon, in general, I don't want to get into a spending <laughs> war with Amazon if I'm a company. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like, and this is the thing about Netflix that I said, I think, before when we talked about these, of the fangs, it's the one that doesn't obviously, to me, maybe it does, but I can't see it, have a really obvious cash engine yeah. uh, like an AWS or like a search thing or like a uh, advertising platform YouTube. or uh, <laughs> the web store, uh, web store, sorry, or even Microsoft cloud thing, right? I know yeah. it's not strictly a fang, but it basically has a thing that makes loads of money and doesn't really take anything to run. Netflix does make quite a lot of money. Its earnings were actually pretty good from what I could see of it, but it also takes quite a lot of money and it will need to keep taking quite a lot of money. And that was the bit that kind of, I feel like in a kind of capital intensive game, deep pockets are going to win. And Apple started poking itself into this as well. And that's another mm. competitor that I don't think you really want, especially if you're worrying about the strength of your own moats. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been on Apple uh, shows as well. And uh, let me tell you, they, they cook corners. <laughs> Wash and <shouldn't you? laughs> Should I say that? <laughs> no one's going to hear that, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Um, so my uh, two my two uh, bets on the streaming service now are uh, 
YouTube, YouTube, which is just clearing the way. Um, which, but it's it's totally different. And YouTube itself, with YouTube Red and now YouTube Premium, what it's called, has not made any grounds. I don't feel a reason for uh, me to buy YouTube Premium other than if you buy YouTube Premium and you watch this video and my videos, uh, you uh, account a lot more for CPM. So uh, if you're a YouTube Premium user, please download our videos and watch them more because you affect us a lot more, <laughs> <laughs> which is something I learned. Um, but um, yeah, so YouTube is one and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, which uh, did very well off its uh, split, but now whoa, it's, it's taken a hit now that Netflix has taken. Um, what, what I'm comparing here is the, is the, uh, uh, it's, it's the market caps. That's what we get to is Netflix has been a 200 million, $200 billion market cap pre COVID as well. And, um, and, and I think Warner brothers discovery was sitting at about 50 billion. Uh, that's, that's a bad, I haven't checked that off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, I, 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 th I think what we're looking at in the streaming wars is a valuation issue. I think that Netflix is just taken away because it's been absolute, the absolute best one out there and it's had an amazing story behind it. And it was just starting to get the good fundamentals behind it as well with possibly being cash flow positive, et cetera, et cetera. But now, uh, now it's not there it's the other companies which have to grow into it the other companies that are now going to buy other companies and swallow them up and there's going to be a consolidation in the market i've always believed that there's going to be probably five or six different companies at the end of this netflix being number one but disney very close second hbo max a distant third i've always been always thought that it was going to be a distant third but with it, but in, in with that in mind and uh what's um so uh, Netflix has 200 billion subscribers right now and at and I'm saying, I keep calling it AT&T, but Warner Brothers Discovery has uh, just got 77 million subscribers, uh, growing 3 million year on year, which is, uh, which is very good. It's up, you know, that's what I see. I see that these companies have more room to grow now and betting on the stocks. I think that streaming is here to stay. Streaming is going to be a big thing. I think it's going to consolidate inside the market. But I believe that the ones now to go with are the undervalued ones, the low PE ones, the high debt ones, and ones that have room to grow. I don't even think that Disney is, is really, because Disney must be 170 million subscribers right now. I'm not actually sure, but it's very close to Netflix. It, it, it grew very, very quickly. And yeah, I think the ones to bet on now are the ones that are going to grow into this 200 million valuation or take their market share of that 200 billion uh, valuation. And I think Warner Brothers Discovery is, is that one person. So I agree with you on this much. I agree with you that streaming is here to stay. I was reading uh, an email kind of daily digest thing that I get sent every pretty much every day, I think. And that was saying that it looks like we've hit peak streaming. I think that's wrong. I think we've hit peak streaming for now. I think when people start getting money back in their pockets, they will start using it to stream stuff again. Um, and I also think Netflix has a number of kind of, as the Americans like to say, levers it can pull to try and uh, move things along a bit. You mentioned the kind of clamping down on um, sharing accounts and that kind of thing. From what I saw of it, they have 222 million subscribers and they reckon that there's about another 100 million who are not paying. Um, <laughs> one of them's here. Yeah. But uh, uh, they said they're trialing some sort of anti... or I think it's kind of a way of incentivizing people to buy kind of family packages, a bit like you can on Spotify, yeah. uh, for what it's worth, in uh, Latin America, and they think that's working quite well. So that's a way that they can push their uh, subscriber count a lot higher. They were supposed to add 2 million in the last quarter and they lost 200,000. A spare 100 million or so is going to make that look like nothing. Basically. I think so. That, um, um, and there's also sorry, kind of a few to... other things they can do, I think, to try and move things along. They've got this kind of idea of somehow gaming exposure yeah. uh, or something yeah. like that. Um, but they're only forecasting for sort of 9% revenue growth. They're now on a P of about 19, which is a long way down from where they were, but their market cap has come a long way down. Uh I sort of started wondering to myself, I get stuck between two thoughts here. One is all the things we've said about the company that are kind of structural 
issues. They're, they've got big competition that has deep pockets. Uh, it's an expensive business to be in and those kind of things. The other is, uh, is there a point where this gets so cheap that you can't ignore it anymore? It goes into your kind of value bucket alongside all the other things because it's not got nothing. That's it, isn't it? It's, it? So is it proving that PEs are too high? Is that what it's proving? And really, how cheap does it need to go? 15 PE, you know, average historical PE, you know? Um, so that's one side of the argument. Are PEs just too high? And this is the not just the first example. People will feel like it's the first example, but they haven't been in SPACs for two years and they haven't been in Peloton for two years or Zoom. You know, <laughs> on the Discord, someone said, and I'm so sorry for not... Uh, not shouting you out because i can't remember who said it but someone said this is just covid fallout no it's just netflix is late and i was like wow you might be right there you might be right so what's next what's what's the next big thing to short that might have benefited from covid i think it's google i'm worried it's google i'm worried it's amazon <laughs> exactly <laughs> well that's it it's it's Amazon did extremely well, didn't it? So yeah, it could. It will be the next, then the next fans maybe. And uh, oh yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. And and you know, going back to what I talked about with the fear this, uh, at the start of the show, um, that's that's what that's what it is. That's that's where the fear is coming from. Is uh, um, you know what's next? Because I, I didn't. As much as I said it, I really did not think that Netflix was going to come down this low. Like I knew it was going to get shaved off the top, but not this low. Oh my god! So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one to see. We don't know what's next. Uh, we don't know what you know where it's going, but it does seem that if a company right now misses uh, an earnings call or misses on some estimates it's going to get punished. So moving on to a company that still might get punished if it misses his earnings reports. Oh, what a transition there. Um, let's talk about Elon Musk. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, we'll try and keep this short because I think everybody and his dog will have done this to death. Um, but Tesla has done so well at this earnings. Uh, have you got the numbers in front of you at all? I have, yeah. So earnings per share were $3.22, which is growth of 658% over this quarter a year ago. Uh, revenue was $18.76 billion, which is up 81% over this quarter a year ago. This is in a quarter where they've had to deal with things like their Shanghai plant being shut down temporarily for some lockdowns. Uh, there's still semiconductor shortages. There's inflation on materials, all these kinds of things. Uh, I, I, I'm not a Tesla fan particularly, but... Um, it's had every possible excuse available to it. I had an idea in my head that this was going to be bad because I saw Elon doing his Elon yeah. things on on and with uh, Twitter. And usually when he does that, it's a sign he's trying to distract you from something. Might still be that he's trying to distract us from something, but it wasn't that, yeah. uh, whatever it was. These are some very impressive things. They're guiding to improve their to, sorry, increase their delivery numbers 50%, 5 that is. Uh, year over year for the foreseeable. They managed 310,000 deliveries, which is a record for them. Margins pushed higher from 21% to 29%. They're making more money. They're delivering more cars. They're producing more stuff. Whatever you think about this company, and I'm not a fan, this is impressive, and I don't think there's any two ways about it. Uh, shares responded interestingly to my mind. They shot up about 7% in post-trading about 10% at the open and made their way down to being plus four. This is on a stock that on the day of its earnings report fell 4%. So it's pretty much only put that back almost out the gate. It's not gone on a massive tear. 212 tried to tell us it had gone on a massive tear. <laughs> but most of that was putting back some moves it had made into uh, the um, earnings call. So I was interested in that because I can't see anything to dislike about this earnings report. There was some stuff about producing less solar panels or something because they haven't got as much control over that. No one thing. Well, okay. I don't think uh, Tesla is a solar panels company. I think <laughs> it's a car company. Um, and I think they should wear that thought. And they're doing really well at being a car company, uh, whatever you kind of make of them. What do you think? Wow. You have gone all the way through that and... I'm struggling to collect my thoughts here. Uh, I knew it was 81% revenue up, 
81% revenue, um, which is incredible. Uh, what no one's talking about really is the numbers. And the numbers still are massive if you think of it as a car company. So I, I understand that it's growing, which is, which is amazing. But we're, we're talking about valuation here. And it's still uh, uh, got a share price of around a thousand, uh, and I, I just it's it's it, the, the numbers still aren't justifying. I know this growth. I I love this growth. I did not know there was six hundred odd percent earnings growth. I hadn't seen that number, but that was that's incredible, especially when it's been having so many problems with semiconductors and, and China. It, there's there's nothing there's nothing bad about this whatsoever that that I can see and I think it's incredible, except for the valuation. The valuation just still doesn't make sense to me. And you bring up the solar panels. The solar panel company was bought to bail out his his family uh, because they were making a pretty much a, a hack job of it. And I think that's been largely largely talked about. Um, and there may be other things that are being priced in, like Wall Street itself doesn't like. Elon Musk. The the institutional investors don't really like Elon Musk at the moment. They don't like how crazy he is and buying Twitter and then trying to take it private and you know bailing out his friends and the SEC problems that he's got and he's, he's likely to have a few more uh, coming up soon as well. Uh, it's it's such a tough one. I I don't think I still don't think I'll be getting into Tesla anytime soon. I um. One thing I wanted to point out is I was looking at the chart today and Tesla, while it does keep having these huge spikes, it, these 10% in a day spikes, it's not making higher highs and it hasn't made higher highs for nearly a year now. It's on a, it's on a gradual decline. It's making uh, lower highs. And uh, I haven't seen, I didn't look at the, the, the low side of it, but I think it's pretty pretty short on the bottom there on that wedge but you'd expect earnings like this to take it well past $1,200 a share and it didn't so I I think I think it's it's going back to my original theory I think Tesla is going to stay flat for a while and until these earnings properly catch up because the numbers still aren't there we, we're looking at and, and we make these mistakes sometimes by looking at this percentage growth all the time and a lot of people made that mistake through 2021 they just looked at percentage growth but they didn't they all they, they saw uh, a company growing by 100 150 uh, percent revenues a year and, they, and revenues are an absolutely useless um marker on, on most things when you're looking at entire business uh, but when it's growing from a <laughs> hundred million to two hundred and fifty million in revenue, yeah, that's a big growth. But it's it's not a big number. It doesn't justify the market caps or the enterprise value. And I, I think I think this is the story. I think this is the story of of the past two years. And Tesla might be the one that bucks the trend. But there's a lot of warnings here. And oh my God, the one day. The one earnings call that this doesn't go right, or the one time that uh, Elon Musk decides to <laughs> leverage his entire uh, share share lot against um, buying Twitter for whatever reason, because he's going to need 150 billion to buy Twitter. Uh, it's, uh, he's going to put he's going to put so many Tesla shares at risk. I, I I think that's might be what's pricing in and why we're not seeing Tesla go to higher highs. I think there's still this little bit of worry around him right now because he's looking a bit fucking crazy um I, that's all i can really say that's the only thing i can really figure that's going on here yeah i, I think i share both of your sort of thoughts there i think it's a hard situation for well any company but perhaps including tesla to be in to think that okay so what's being priced is really really stellar results right because we put up a great earnings call we beat on nearly everything actually our deliveries were technically under what was expected but who cares we made more money on them so i'll live with fewer deliveries if you're going to make more money on fewer deliveries fine um but the thought is that from there they managed to pretty much just push back to where they were a little bit it's hard to sort of see and they've also kind of played a stock split card uh, lately and that's a slightly cynical way of thinking about it, but I do very much view that as kind of playing cards. This is the sort of thing that when it happens, I wonder 
what are you encouraging me to not look at here by making a load <laughs> of noise about stock splitting? What, what are you about to say or what am I about to not see that um, is going to make me think, uh, oh, uh, that's why that stock split thing was being announced one way or another. Oh. So I'm a little bit wary there. And I think it's a hard situation to be in when you're priced to perfection. And I think your point is dead right. $3.22 is a great result from Tesla. But if your return is $3.22 this quarter and you just paid out $1,000, uh, you might be forgiven for thinking that that's your business return. It needs to be a lot higher. Mm. Um, they've so far not done anything, I think, that indicates that it won't be a lot higher, but it really needs to be. And we had uh, what I heard someone describe as Elon's annual promise of next year robo-taxis, yeah. uh, which has been coming for quite a while. And I think... I wonder whether there's just a little bit of people starting to think, <laughs> well, yeah, that's consistent yeah. with what you've said. Every year you've said next year robo-taxis. That's very much becoming your kind of standard promise in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, the last earnings call, I also felt the same way about this humanoid robot thing that he said was going to be the most important thing to kind of distract us from car numbers and so on. <laughs> um, back to Twitter in a moment, but I think I think you're dead right about this kind of my reason for not getting into Tesla is, well, partly that valuation. It feels like it's priced to achieve a lot, and I think I can find some less demanding ideas that I can understand a bit better. It's becoming increasingly clear to me, um, and maybe it's just increasingly becoming the case as well as uh, clear to me, that this is a really, really outstanding company uh, that is capable of achieving really, really outstanding things. I would, I'm expecting more solid stuff from the next few quarters for what it's worth. As I understand it, they're managing to cover this Shanghai lockdown situation by having workers sleeping at the plant, uh, which is either horrific or genius, depending on how you kind of view these sorts of things. So they say, well, look, if there's lockdown, who the hell cares? You'll all be in the plant anyway, keep building cars. Um, but the stuff about Twitter I thought was quite interesting in many ways, although it was also quite i also thought there was a lot of stuff that was being misplaced in people's thinking or at least didn't sit well with how i was thinking about things do you think he's going to buy twitter um so i've done a lot of listening around this and i don't know why because it's been an absolute waste of my time because it's not going to affect anything i do in my life i feel I, and that's the point right <laughs> that's the point this guy just wants to be uh, and, and I, th I think i think he gets it i think I think this is, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but again, and say that this is why Tesla's price is so high. It's not because of the valuation. It's not because of the amazing things that they're going to do, which they are going to do. I do the battery packs are going to be incredible for the world. Solar panels will get there eventually, I think, but we're far behind. Cybertruck's been delayed. Um, and the next car, the, what you're referring to with the um, annual robo-taxi thing was him saying that the next car that Tesla produces won't have a steering wheel. That's That was the big uh, thing that he said. Uh, humanoid robots, blah, blah, blah. The guy just wants to be in the news every 48 hours, and if he's not in the news, then his, his share price gets boring. It's as simple as that. He doesn't want to be a CEO who like shell who sits in the back and like wears crappy trousers and stuff he wants to be in the news every two minutes he wants to be on snl he wants to create few uh problems um and his twitter thing right his twitter thing um i heard a, a very intelligent person talk about this who believes he wants to take twitter he definitely does want to take twitter i think it's uh it's it's a bit of a vanity project probably and a bit of a humanistic project to show that he still wants to be the best for the world and i think i think to a point he genuinely believes what he says when he thinks that twitter is a very important for freedom of speech it's a very conservative government version of uh freedom of speech but it's freedom of speech nonetheless um is it profitable is it a good move business-wise probably not twitter is very very hard to monetize it's going to be very very hard to, i don't think that if you put twitter into a subscription service it's going to work personally so i I, I do this vox pop all the time so the way that twitter is going to make money is by going subscription and maybe having better targeted ads on on its um thing because the the ads on twitter are just terrible i did a quick vox pop and i do it all the time would you be on twitter if you if you had to pay for it absolutely not absolutely not people are on that to 
chase celebrities and argue with each other. And we could do without that. I wouldn't be on Facebook if I had to pay for it. So we have, you know, I don't think that's a, a good move. And the second one that this uh, very intelligent person said was, uh, it's going to go ahead if he can afford it. Now, I probably shocked people by saying that he's going to need 150 billion worth of Tesla shares to pay for um, Twitter, which is going for 5420, I think he wanted, uh, making a making a bit mm -hmm. of a joke. And I think uh, actually um, the board members <laughs> made their own joke back uh, by saying, uh, well, I won't go into that. That's, 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 that's a long story. Um, but um, so he needs so he needs fifty four twenty a share that puts it at uh, what was it ninety billion? Oh, I can't remember. Can't remember the market cap. Do you remember the market cap uh, for Twitter? Uh, yeah, so fifty four twenty a share is forty three point four billion. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was, 30, it was thirty billion when he said it, and it went up to forty three billion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to in order to do this, and I am only echoing things that other people have said. Uh, I haven't come to this conclusion myself at all. They are, they are saying that Elon Musk needs to leverage his own shares to make that happen. So he needs to leverage his Tesla shares or he needs to sell his Tesla shares. And that requires a huge amount of mar margin call. He's got the backing of Morgan Stanley who are willing to help him finance it. But he needs to go, go to Goldman Sachs and say, okay, I want to buy this for 54... Um, for 43 billion, uh, how are you going to finance this for me? And they're going to say, well, we're going to need to triple leverage and margin your shares. We need about 150 billion because if this goes tits up and you, you do destroy it and just fold it away, which is very, very possible because it's a very hard business to run. It's not a great business. If that happens, yeah, you are. He's going to owe so much money, and he's putting Tesla share. This is, by the way, I think this this part of it now is something that I'm definitely echoing of Scott Galloway again. Um, that he's he's going to put Tesla shares at risk, and he shouldn't be doing that. He it's bad for the shareholder in every single way. What I do think, and this is a this is something that I've come up with uh, personally. <laughs> but this is going to go well, guys. Uh, this is something I've come up with is that. Instead of trying to finance it himself, he could get a group of people together to finance it. And uh, one person that stands out who has tried to buy Twitter already already is Mark Benioff. Mark Benioff is the owner of Salesforce. Now, he's already tried to buy Twitter, or at least hinted that he wants to buy Twitter because he believes that Twitter should be owned by a diverse subsection of uh, board members from different cultures, different genders, and that will that will hopefully eventually lead to um, uh, a, a much more uh, s safer environment on Twitter, away from the trolls, away from the adverts, away from the bots and all that sort of thing. So he believes that there should be a diverse subset of, of board members on there when right now there is apparently a lot of old white board members who owe less than two, own less than 2% of the stock. Jack Dorsey is the top of that. Uh, owning 2.85% of the stock or something like that. Um, and so it's a pitiful amount that the board members own and they don't even use Twitter either, which is another thing. So this is something that could come together where Jack Dorsey buys a few more shares, Elon Musk buys 10%, Vanguard owns, owns 10%, which is another problem. It depends how Vanguard feels about um, Twitter because they own the majority amount of shares at the moment and they have the most voting power. But then you could bring in Mark Benioff to buy 10%. You could bring in uh, a couple of other diverse subsects of people to buy Twitter and all come together as board members and decide on a direction to go. Now, that is one way they could finance it. And I wonder if there is something there in that 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 could happen i i really do think that maybe this is a reach out this might be some i know this is crazy this is absolutely crazy because we can all speculate on whatever elon musk says uh or or what we think he's doing but i think he might be drawing attention to it to try and get multiple buyers and change the board members at the top and i don't think he wants to buy it personally i don't think he wants to buy it outright on his own i think he wants to 
uh, get other people in to and good people to run it because he thinks the management there are doing terribly. Uh, and that is just me. <laughs> that's just from me sitting in my car alone for two days in a row, listening to things that I shouldn't really be listening to because they don't affect me whatsoever. Um, but that's my theory. What's your theory, Steve? <laughs> I think that is an extremely brave theory to put on the record here for the very straightforward reason that today is Thursday and this is not going out until Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so this could go one of two ways for you. <laughs> you could either look like a genius or you could be wrong by the time this goes out. Um, here are my kind of rough takeaways on this. Just one thing to put in there. I think Elon Musk tw tweeted earlier that he does have the full finance, uh, finances secured. So there might be something there already. Apologies for that. Yep, you are dead right. He tweeted earlier that he has finances for a 46.5 billion takeover, which is actually slightly higher than we were uh, talking about before. Um, here's a few of the things I kind of note on this then. Uh, Twitter's share price has not approached 54.20, uh, even though Elon said he was ready to buy the company at that level. Um, I notice, and this is just about the way we orient ourselves, right, and how we model ourselves on, and I'm not suggesting my way of doing things is any better or worse than anybody else's, but I tend to try and follow successful person Buffett more than successful person Musk, and here's a thing that I kind of note here. Buffett agreed a deal to buy Allegheny, publicly traded insurance company. Allegheny shares instantly hit the price that Buffett was prepared to buy them at. The market's confident that deal is going through, or as Very confident good. as anyone Very ever is about anything. Musk announces a bid to buy Twitter. Uh, the share prices go, they go up. Uh, they approach the kind of, well, they sort of roughly approach things, but they never really <laughs> got goes, to 5420. They the got to about 51. <laughs> yeah. Nobody <laughs> knows what he's going to do. Um, which I think speaks to the thought you were expressing earlier about Tesla of um, do you have the same kind of confidence in what Elon Musk says and will do and so on. And there's a good case, I think, to be made for wanting to be on his side and have your interests aligned with his because he's pretty darn good at looking after his own interests. But I wouldn't want to put myself in a position where I had to depend on his word for something uh, because without putting too fine a point on it, it would not be the first time he said he has funding in place for something and he doesn't. He had funding in place, so he said, to take Tesla private, and it turned out he did not. But, um, so this might just be another instance of that, for all I care, because he has said on record, and his acts around Twitter in terms of his buying and reporting of it, indicate that he does not much care for the SEC and does not respect them. And that's fine by me. Uh, he has enough money to pay SEC fines and just ignore them, then he can just pay SEC fines and ignore them. Um, that's their job to try and figure out how to kind of counteract that. One thing this does show me, though, is that here's a general lesson for me as an individual and an investor in thinking about money and everything else. Why is Elon Musk able to do all of this stuff? Why is he able to basically push the Twitter uh, board around uh, and back them into difficult corners? Answer because he has loads of money and he doesn't really care if he loses at this particularly, right? Mm. So Twitter shares were struggling. He put a bid in, up went the price a bit. Uh, and then he says, look, here's the offer. Take it or leave it. If you leave it, your shares are going back down. If you take it, I'm going to fire you all. Your move, Tesla, uh, sorry, Tesla, Twitter uh, board and so on. And then kind of what do they do? Answer, they didn't make enough money and weren't successful enough, uh, which gives him kind of all the straightforward leverage on this sort of thing. Yeah. So I think that whilst I have no real stake in how this goes because like you i can leave twitter just as easily as elon musk can uh, to be honest i don't really look at it very much i occasionally remember to do something when i spoke remember that i'm supposed to be <laughs> directing people towards the podcast or something but that is pretty much it uh, i occasionally bother someone who's more successful than me about hey look see if you can follow this link to our thing that we did where we talked about that thing that you also <laughs> talked about but to be honest, I suspect it's fairly ineffectual <laughs> my efforts at doing that, especially when I describe them like that. <laughs> uh, if Twitter became subscription only, I would be fighting you to be the first person out the door. Um, and the same goes for actually Facebook. Instagram, I probably wouldn't subscribe to either, but you also have quite good celebrity access on that. So my sense about this is, I guess this is an ultimately a place where I'm looking for lessons that are not specifically to do with Twitter, mm -hmm. to do with the way of what gives Elon Musk the ability to shove people around like this? Because he clearly is just shoving people yeah. around, right? And they can't do a damn thing about it. Uh, and I kind of figure, I think there's an important lesson for us as investors to think about there, even if 
I have doubts about uh, the guy himself. Yeah, great, great learning point there. And that's what a lot of this is for me, actually. And uh, you've just touched on something that I've been thinking about the past few days because a lot of people ask me, like, why do you care about Peloton so much? And why do you care about Twitter so much and Tesla? And you're not invested in them. You've got no interest in investing in them at all. And the truth is I'm learning. I, I, all of last year, I wanted to know about SPACs, but I wasn't going near them. I wanted to know about these darling growth stocks, but I wasn't going near them. And it's because I need to watch from the sidelines. I'm new to investing and I need to learn about what happens and how how these things go. And if I see something in the next five years that because it's too early for me to make those massive calls and leaps i can speculate and but as long as i do that for free and don't take any harsh or crazy bets um i i'm I'm doing okay but i can learn now can't i i think the market's learning as well i think that's that's another thing is that there's a lot of brand new investors as well which have got really hurt during this uh during the past two years and now we're learning and we're learning well maybe elon musk is full of shit sometimes and are we seeing a pattern now and if he realizes that does he have to change up his tack so there are a few things there that i have to that we have to watch out for and until i can safely predict what elon musk is going to do i need to stay away from everything that he touches and um uh, I suppose, like like some people who who were Tesla, uh, did really well. That's all I can really say. Um, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, guys, for uh, listening and watching the Playing Footsie podcast. You've basically seen the side of my head. Those that are watching on uh, <laughs> on YouTube, you can see how I cut my hair really, really badly. I do it myself. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for watching the Playing Footsie podcast. There will be the midweek Footsie podcast uh, coming out as well, where we talk about something else. And um, uh, if you like this, give us a like, subscribe, and uh, give us a five-star review on Spotify and all your other podcasting favorite places to podcast. Thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you next week.